Hello, and welcome to the Self-Sufficient Hub podcast. I'm Carl from selfsufficienthub.com, and I'm here to talk about all things self-sufficiency, all things homesteading, and about how we can reduce the gap between our consumption and our production. Sustainability and food security matters. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 277 of the Self-Sufficient Hub podcast. I hope you're all safe and well. Today, we are going to be doing a book review, and I can't believe I haven't done this before. Actually, I thought I had, but the uh, the, the new complete book of Self-Sufficiency by John Seymour, and uh, on the front cover, they call it the Classic Guide for Realists and Dreamers, and it really is a classic guide. It's the book that certainly in large part helped kick off the sort of self-sufficiency revolution in the 70s that happened. And John Seymour is described by some as the godfather of self-sufficiency. And this book really is a great guide. It's a how-to, it's a how-to-think, it's all sorts. It's all sorts of books in one. You know, if you've got a little book on your bookshelf that tells you how to make compost and you've got another book that tells you how to keep pigs and another book that tells you how to grow vegetables and another book that tells you how to brew beer this has all of those books in it along with about 50 or 60 others and we're going to be talking about it today and I'm going to start by just reading the bump off the back page or some of it but before I do I'm just going to quickly mention that we are giving away this book today and at the end of this episode we'll be drawing a name from the hat and it will be going as a gift in the post to a patron. So please stay tuned for that. So just inside the back cover, inside the back sleeve, it says John Seymour is known and respected as the father of self-sufficiency. He worked on farms in England and then spent some 10 years in Africa where he managed a sheep and cattle farm and acted as a livestock officer for a veterinary department. His worldwide experience of husbandry and the benefits of rural life is unparalleled. His most influential contribution has been to live, teach and promote self-sufficiency. First in Suffolk, then Pembrokeshire, and finally in Ireland. Of his many books, The Complete Book of Self-Sufficiency has established the widest audience of both realists and dreamers. John Seymour was an active campaigner for the countryside and the environment. He died on his old farm in Wales in 2004. And, you know, this book really is very, very comprehensive, and it just covers so much. We're only going to be able to scratch the surface of it at the moment but uh, you know it, it covers things like you know food from the garden obviously uh, it also covers what he calls food from the field which is your grains and some other things uh, it covers food from animals it talks about you know living the good life and you know growing all your own food and keeping bees for honey and dairy you know having your own dairy animals and whatever it is that you want to achieve he also talks about traditional skills and you know goes into really good quality depth on all of these topics it really is an absolute must have for any self-respecting homesteader or self-sufficiency aficionado to have on their bookshelf so 
The copy that I'm giving away and the copy that I have in front of me is a beautiful hardback. Um, it is the new edition. There, I think there's been one updated edition since, but I think the content is the same. It's just got a different cover. Um, and we're going to just have a quick run through of some of the things that are in the book. And he starts, chapter one is titled The Meaning of Self-Sufficiency. And here we kind of go all into a lot of the topics that I hit quite often. And, you know, talking about humans and their environment and, you know, the route towards self-sufficiency. He also talks about, you know, living with nature and what, what the natural cycle of things is and the seasons and, and, you know, how we as a species operate within them. Uh, he goes on. And this is one of, I think, one of my favourite parts of the book and one of most people's favourite parts of the book is he then sets out very specifically how you might set out uh, an urban garden, if that's the only space you had, or how you might set out an allotment or and, and specifically, you know, how you might set out a one acre small holding and how you might set out a five acre small holding. And like I say, this was one of the sections that I was immediately drawn to because it kind of makes it puts everything in perspective, you know, and gives you the idea of, OK, what's achievable with my space and what exactly does it look like? And in each of those options, you know, there's a beautiful picture of the actual homestead. So I'm looking at the one acre homestead right now and it shows the house with a tool shed next door. It also shows um, a shed next to that with some hay in that you would keep a cow in maybe in the winter. Uh, movable chicken arcs, a few fruit trees on what I would describe as the front lawn, you know, hens and a few fruit trees and beehives and then at the back of the garden perhaps you've got your vegetable bed and it sets out all the crops in the vegetable bed you know a patch for cabbage kale broccoli swedes celery leeks onions all of those things currant bushes a herb garden and then two separate paddocks one for the cow and one for producing hay and you know they're quite small paddocks because this is all set out in a one acre space, but, uh, you know, it's all definitely doable. And then a really small, well, I say small, not that small, obviously, but, you know, a fairly small in compared to what you might have on a much bigger property, but uh, an area to keep a couple of pigs in, a pigsty and a run. And, you know, this is all set out. You can see it all. You can see where the compost heaps are. You can see where the beehives are. You can see where the cold frames and the fruit trees are and the herb patch and the greenhouse it's all there and you could imagine putting this on your one acre if that's what you had it's a, a fantastic resource and really really useful and of course you can decide where you are where do you sit do you just have the urban garden and perhaps you're going to model yours around the urban garden that's set out in the book or perhaps you have seven or eight acres and you're going to model yours on a slightly bigger version of the five acre holding from the book it's a fantastic resource and it's a lot of fun and it it really makes everything feel accessible you know i think that's the key part of it uh, chapter two is all about food from the garden and we're talking here really uh, mostly about growing vegetables and how you would grow them but within that there are separate sub chapters talking specifically on different types of growing methods you know they look at deep bed gardening they look at uh, specifically growing undercover they talk about pests and fungus and diseases and all of those things and then we start going through 
all the different types of vegetables and how you would grow them so there's a section dedicated to root vegetables a section dedicated to leafy vegetables a section dedicated to flowers and vegetable fruits seeds and pods we talk about green manure crops and fruits in this section as well and then we go into more depth again later in this chapter on the cultivation of all of these things how you care for fruit trees and also how you plan for a year-long succession of planting and again following up from the initial chapter the meaning of self-sufficiency which featured those those layouts those beautifully illustrated layouts of different sizes of self-sufficient holdings we finish the food from the garden section with a similar kind of idea where now we talk about winter what the vegetable garden looks like in winter what it looks like in spring what it looks like in early summer then late summer and then autumn and then finally the greenhouse and again i this is i think why this book is so successful it's the combination of the you know being able to see a layout that could work for you and you know your space and then later on in the next chapter you're seeing what your vegetable plot should look like in late summer you know there's a beautifully illustrated garden it's got all of the crops laid out and i just think seeing that and th and seeing it in you know a really manageable space that you could do you can think yes absolutely i want to copy that i want to do that exact thing you know it just it really is a great way of taking some ideas that can be quite hard to grasp on the page and then putting them, drilling them directly through your eye holes into your brain. And it's just, it's absolutely brilliant. I mean, it's just, it's fantastic the way it's done in this book. And I don't know another book that does this for both of those things as well. It's really, really good. And then the next chapter is Food from Animals talking about the living farmyard and there's subsections here about cows um, and we're talking about cows from for both a beef point of view and for milk we also talk about goats in their own section pigs sheep poultry rabbits and honeybees they all get their own section in the food from animals chapter so as you can see it's really quite in depth and so far we've only hit three chapters out of the 10 that are in this book Hi guys, I'm just very quickly interrupting the show to say please consider supporting it. If you'd like to consider supporting this one-man operation, there's lots of ways you can do it. One of the easiest of which is just to talk about it, to share it online, on your social media pages or with friends. By growing this audience is one of the best ways that we can actually ensure that the show is sustainable. If you'd like to support it more directly, then please consider becoming a patron. You can do so by going to patreon.com forward slash self-sufficient hub by becoming a patron you help me to achieve things that i'd love to be able to do in the future such as buying better equipment to increase the quality allowing me to pay myself some time to spend on the podcast again increasing the quality of it and also paying for things like transcription and show notes if you would like to do that please do consider going to patreon.com forward slash self-sufficient hub thank you Everything you do to support this show is really appreciated. 
The next chapter is food from the fields. And I think this is kind of split into two separate sections in my head. It's split into several sections on the page, but uh, I think they fall into two halves. And the first half is really about sort of management and land management. And here we talk about things like clearing land, how you would clear it, how, how you can irrigate land and drain it, making use of different types of land, for instance, woodland, uh, and also we talk here about working animals like horses, but also horse and tractor power and, you know, how we would use or choose our implements for doing all these jobs. We also talk about hedging and fencing and finally sort of the preparing your land for sowing and of course the harvesting thereof. And then the second section, we start talking about the crops. And interestingly for me, I think this is one of the areas that is, you know, something I really need to focus on in the coming few years. When I've got my space again, when I've got a field and I'm ready to go again after we move house, I do want to look more at the sort of crops that we're talking about in this chapter. We're talking about cereal crops, wheat, how to mill grain, we're talking about oats and rye, barley, maize, rice, all of these crops, but also growing crops for oil, growing root crops. And then again, we can't forget grass and hay, which is a huge part of being self-sufficient if you're going to have those animals that will require it in the winter. So like I say, I think it focuses on two separate aspects of food from the fields. And as you can see, it's a real you know, difference from the stuff that the book had talked to up until this point, you know, before we were talking very much in the food from the garden section, we were talking about the sort of vegetable gardens we're all familiar with. Now we're talking about how we might expand that into the less familiar crops and the, the crops that a lot of people can find quite intimidating. Then into chapter five, we start talking about food from the wild. Now, food from the wild is obviously a great passion of mine, and it's something that I feel really plugged into and this book is a great gateway of you know opening up your eyes to these avenues if perhaps they were ones that you hadn't explored before and we're split into four separate sections here and we start with games so we're talking about wild game you know things like rabbits and the sort of things that we can all utilize if that is our bent and then we follow up with fish and seafood again this is an abundant resource that i think is underutilized by so many people the idea that we are particularly here in the uk an island surrounded by sea that's teeming with amazing food that we are allowed to just harvest as we see fit and you know that's just the fish there's all sorts of other things there's shellfish and seaweed and things that we can take from there the next up talk about wild plants, nuts and berries. And then finally, we talk about mushrooms. And of course, all of these things for me make up a huge part of what I do, what I'm about and, and what I enjoy. But, you know, I could certainly expand on what I'm doing from the things in this book. You know, you can learn how to make your own lobster pots and all those kinds of things. They're all here. You know, how to tap a tree, how to identify different wild edible plants. Now, I certainly wouldn't suggest that the the mushroom section is a good guide to use for actual identification. There's far too many mushrooms and there's it's far too nuanced a subject for you to use that single section that's dedicated to it in this book but it just does open your ideas you know I think a great project one that maybe I will do one day because it's such a vast project but a great project everyone could do is go through this book and just go through every page and say okay I'm going to take something from this page and 
even if the idea of the the mushroom section isn't one that you can go out and start foraging from you can say right well i can go from here and use it as a springboard to expand my learning elsewhere but yeah no it's a it's a great subject that is covered within this book and next after food from the wild we talk about the dairy the home dairy and again like everything else everything is covered so comprehensively we start not by talking about how to make cheese we start by talking about the hay shed and the cow shed and you know what you actually need to do to produce the milk and how you're going to create an environment within which you can do that successfully and efficiently then we talk about the dairy itself. We talk about making butter, cream, cheese, and all of those other products. So it's, uh, you know, a great expansive chapter on the home dairy, which, as you will know, is something I am very, very enthusiastic about myself. And then finally, not finally, no, move on, chapter seven. Not finally at all. There's 10 chapters, as I mentioned. But in, in chapter seven, which is called In the Kitchen, we're talking here about all those homesteading kitchen jobs that we're really, I suppose, turning our attention more and more towards through the winter. We talk about a north-facing storeroom, you know, a root cellar. Talk about harvesting and storing, preserving. We go on to talk about all the different types of, sto- of storing, you know, freezing, bottling, making pickles, jams, chutneys, syrups, all those kinds of things. But beyond that, we also then start talking about homemade bread talk about making cakes and pastries puddings what we do with meats in the kitchen fish and vegetables and the idea is using these products with a view to self-sufficiency complete self-sufficiency so you know we can talk about homesteading cookbooks all the time but almost all of them require shop-bought ingredients and this book is aimed towards the idea of complete self-sufficiency, which is what sets it apart when we talk about in the kitchen. Chapter eight is all about brewing and wine making, And this makes up a huge part of homesteading for a lot of people. It's something that I have a bit of a blind spot for simply because I don't drink. It's been really low down on my priority list. But just because I don't drink, I do cook with wine and cider and things like that. So it is something that I need to learn sooner rather than later. But we talk... Again, we start in the brewing and winemaking chapter with brewing basics and, you know, getting your head around that before talking about malting your own barley, making your own beer, making wine and also making ciders and vinegars. So all of these things that are real cause of your homesteading project possibly are all covered in this section. Next up. We start talking about something which is often overlooked and I don't think I've addressed quite enough on this podcast. So this is a bit of a note to one's self to address that balance in the future. But energy and waste. So we talk about here the cyclic nature of energy and that is something I've touched upon a great deal. And we start with food for the garden. You know, how are you going to feed your garden? We talk about composting and all those elements here. We talk about the composting toilet. We talk about managing waste on our property and then before we talk about producing energy which I and I like the order that they do this before we talk about producing energy we talk about saving energy because a kilowatt saved is exactly the same as a kilowatt produced and I think sometimes we forget that you know we might think well I'm going to put some solar panels on my roof and produce x amount of energy but we could be just as efficient if we saved that amount of energy we'd be doing ourselves just as big a favor Uh, then we go on to talk about power from water heat from the sun 
power from the wind and fuel from waste. So we cover all sorts of different generators that can run on methane and waste products. We talk about, you know, obviously windmills and solar panels. They're all covered in this section. And then finally, now it is finally on to chapter 10. And I think something that, again, I absolutely love. You know, I, I said that uh, the food from the wild chapter is something that... I'm very, very close to personally. Well, this chapter is as well, and it is crafts and skills. So to round out the book, you know, we're going to fill you in on everything else that you might need to think. Now, again, this is really a, a great stepping stone and a way to get into a lot of these skills. But each of these or some of these, some of these chapters are or sub chapters are really, really comprehensive. Some of them, perhaps you'll need to go on and expand your knowledge, el knowledge elsewhere once you get into them. But that I don't class as a fault of this book uh, because the book is so wide in its remit. It would be impossible. You know, each of these topics could have their own book the same size. So I certainly don't class that as a fault. But we talk about the home workshop. We talk about building things, talk about springs, you know, making your own spring or tapping into your own spring on the property and plumbing. There's a section on knots and rope work, basketry, pottery, spinning wool and cotton, which is, you know, again, if you've got sheep and you're shearing those sheep, that wool's no good to you unless you know how to treat it and spin it. Dyeing and weaving, spinning flax, curing and tanning hides. Uh, what else? Making your own bricks and tiles, working with stone, working with metal, building work and thatching, scything, working in wood, household items. And then towards the end, we talk about some of the more elaborate things. We talk about making and building a pond and fish farming. We talk about the all purpose furnace and becoming a backyard blacksmith. And uh, the, all of these things are really covered in an accessible way so you know i i suppose as i close the review to an end i i think you know this is a great resource it's absolutely fantastic and it's one that if you don't already have it you should consider getting it you can go out and buy it you can get them secondhand they're not particularly expensive if you get them secondhand and uh, one person who will not need to do that is our lucky patron winner who I'm just going to draw from a hat here. And it is Mary M. So Mary M, you have won my copy of the John Seymour New Complete Book of Self-Sufficiency, the classic guide for realists and dreamers. Please do get in touch, Mary M. Send me an email as, of course, you always can at selfsufficientcontact at gmail.com. Give me your address and I will get this in the post to you. It's quite a significant tome and it's a hardback and it weighs a fair amount. So I hope you don't live on the moon. Hopefully you live just around the corner. But <laughs> it is what it is. And uh, yeah, you are today's winner. So as always, thank you guys for listening and I will speak to you all next week. Cheers. This episode of the Self-Sufficient Hub podcast was brought to you by our patrons. You guys are awesome. 
If you'd like to support the show, there's lots of ways you can do it. The easiest of which is just to like and review it wherever you get our podcasts. You can also tell somebody about it, whether that's on social media or just face-to-face with a friend who you think might benefit from it. But however you support our podcast, we really, really appreciate it. If you'd like to become a patron, please consider doing so by going to patreon.com forward slash self-sufficient hub. However you support the podcast, it's listeners like you that make all of this possible. Thank you ever so much for listening, and I'll speak to you really soon.